Hi, and welcome to Desi American Life. I'm Priya. I'm Deepti. And I'm Uma. Maha, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself, like introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Maha Parakala. I am a sophomore at UC Berkeley. Um, I'm intending to major in public health, and I'm really interested in a variety of different social justice issues. Just trying to learn more um, every single day. So Maha, we heard that it's your first time voting. What sort of makes you excited about this particular election? Yeah, I am super excited to be voting for the first time. Um, it's just, it's really important. Makes me feel like part of the democracy that I've been learning about since, you know, kindergarten. So I think it is a really monumental moment, especially in the political climate that I grew up with too, which I feel like has definitely been um, like very unique. And like with the election of Donald Trump, even in high school, like there was a walkout. And I know several of my friends who, you know, left school and walked out in protest and solidarity of just not accepting that we had elected this pretty objectively horrible person (laughs) into office. And it's almost sort of like agency, right? Um, In a time where we see a lot of human rights being attacked, that right to vote that so many people have lost their lives for is just super, super important. Yeah. I know Gen Z in general, like, has really grown up with two recessions, basically, one in the making. And I've, like, read a lot of stories about people having trouble, like, recently graduated people having trouble finding jobs just because of the pandemic. I think that's, like, empowering your generation to really get more involved with the elections. And it's really pushing everyone to sort of question the status quo which is great i think i liked when you brought up like the different you know employment opportunities are going to be different after the pandemic and stuff like that i think a lot of these issues impact these younger direct generations directly and will impact them for years to come like this is our future too um so mm-hmm. i think that it is important for young people to vote What are sort of the conversations that you and your peers are having in regards to this election? I would definitely say during the primaries in February with some of my closest friends, I had a lot of conversations about the different candidates, right? Because there are a lot more candidates to choose from and the different pros and cons of their platforms. And that definitely helped me decide like who I wanted to vote for in the primary As we got closer to the election, I'm not sure. And again, I go to UC Berkeley, which is kind of known for being a more liberal-leaning place, although some would argue against that. Um, So, you know, majority of my friends, or all of my friends, are liberal. So I would say there hasn't been a ton of conversation or debate over who to vote for, or not as much as there was during the primary election. During the primaries, there's definitely, like, you know, I know some of my friends really wanted to vote for, or were going to vote for Kamala Harris, um, Elizabeth Warren, um, Joe Biden, you know, there's all these, like, different factors. But now it's become more of, like, this is the only way forward. And there is conversation, but it's it's become less of a, like, a theoretical type of discussion versus, like, this is happening now. This is what needs to happen. I guess while with my friends, my conversations have been pretty on the same page. There have been some conversations where I've had friends text me and be like, you know, why does everyone not like Joe Biden? Like I thought he was, you know, he was the vice president during Obama's presidency. I thought he was very well liked. And I kind of, you know, had to explain that there were certain things that people had issues with, especially during this time where Black Lives Matter is so prominent. What were some of the issues, in like your well, opinion, that you bring up from Biden's past is um, 
how he helped the 1994 crime bill. I believe that's the bill, yeah. Mm. Uh, which incarcerated a lot of people that maybe didn't deserve to be incarcerated for as long as they were in prison. And mass incarceration is a huge, huge, huge topic. And it's something that I'm really interested in because I learned about it in my sociology class. But I was going to lead up to the fact that some of the important conversations I have had were with my brother, who is very, um, I would say he's, he identifies as a libertarian. I believe he is going to vote third party. So we've definitely had a lot of <laughs> interesting oh my God. about um, the voting scenarios that are present in this current election. And I'll admit, I definitely went on the defensive. Like a lot of my similar minded friends, I was like, no, we have to vote Biden. Like this is what has to happen. But after talking with him, I just, I realized it definitely is a more nuanced situation. I think it has been for a while. I think the two-party system has not worked for a lot of people for a very long time. Again, that's a whole separate issue. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that it is a different situation for a lot of people because, again, now I'm thinking of my friends and my brother, but we all have tend to, or at least most of my friends, come from a similar background, too. So we do have, like, privilege that is inherent within our lived experiences. So if I'm Mm. approaching voting from what I have experienced, it's not going to be the same as someone voting from a completely different background. Yeah. So I think the the struggle with this particular election, because of the the kind of impending doom that people feel, it takes away a lot of the nuance that usually is in an election. And yeah, I just think that's that can sometimes be a real problem for people, especially for people who feel like Biden isn't progressive enough or isn't fighting for what they really need. I'm not here to speak about that necessarily, but I'm just saying that it's a very complicated situation and kind of unfair, honestly. Yeah, I understand that because I also have heard people who have said they are voting third party and playing the long game and kind of trying to reform the current system. But I have like personally like seen the arguments that like, hey, if Trump wins, this might be the end of democracy as we know it. So maybe we can hold off on that for another four years, right? But um, I do get the emotion behind it. I know I initially reacted in a very defensive way as Mm -hmm. well. Like my personal feelings were, well, 2016 didn't work out a certain way because people chose, you know, third party over Hillary Clinton. So there's this interesting idea of ranked choice voting. Do you know anything about that? Could you maybe speak to that? Sure. It's something I learned about very recently from one of my friends, actually. Um, But it just, it makes so much sense. Basically, ranked choice voting is when you go to vote, you have your ballot, and you get a first choice for a pick and then a second choice as well. Mm. So... If, let's say, this is the November 2020 election, and you have two choices, you could, if you want to truly vote third party, there's a third party candidate, you feel very strongly it should be president, you can put that as your first choice. And that vote will will be counted as your first choice. But you can also put a second choice, either the uh, Democratic candidate or the Republican candidate. And what happens is that if your first choice vote does not get the majority. So in this example, your first choice is a third party candidate, and they do not get the majority, your vote instead of still, you know, staying in that box of third party actually goes to your second choice, which is either the Democratic candidate or the Republican candidate. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, your vote is never truly discounted or lost. And it's still contributing to the overall result. And we avoid situations where things become really ambiguous, because third party votes were just, you know, discounted. So I think it's a it's a good way to let people still have agency in their voting, but protect possible like disparities in voting results. That makes sense. Do we know if anyone's actually trying to make this happen or is this just like a theoretical idea that's So that's a great question. We should definitely do more research into that. Um what I will say, I will quote my friend here. She's 
awesome. She's very astute about political stuff, but she said that it is it is unlikely this will happen in the near mm-hmm. future just because the two-party system is so strong and embedded and ingrained in our country that, like, if you think about it, it'll be very hard for the Democrat, like the DNC and the RNC to be like, hey, yeah, let's do ranked choice voting and potentially... <laughs> you know, not retain the same power that we have right now. Because that's what all this is about, right? It's about power and money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that sounds very sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is about power for sure. I'm just curious, does anyone know if there were any candidates who spoke about ranked choice voting or like? So I think they're trying to do this in Massachusetts and Elizabeth Warren is saying that she supports the idea. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's going to happen on like a national level like it might happen on a state level potentially which is good for a state level even mm-hmm. I yeah. think start start small basically yeah yeah do you explained how Biden and I think Kamala Harris also received similar criticism mm-hmm. about her past with incarceration and incarcerating people for very like low crimes right just like drug mm-hmm. possession and things like that um so how can we sort of reconcile their past with their current platforms? That's a really good question. I think it's something that I am working on myself. There's two thoughts I have. One is that, again, disclaimer, I am not even a political science major. (laughs) I'm going to try to refrain from speaking very factual because I don't know a lot of things. This is just purely my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. But I think that is so firstly if you look at like mass incarceration it has been a huge problem for a very long time um and has been especially exploited under you know the clinton administration nixon administration so when you look at all the factors that have gone into um making mass incarceration such a deep rooted poisonous system you can't put that all on Kamala Harris. She, was, she wasn't the sole proprietor of this system. And I think that she has done a lot to kind of combat it. And she's, she's definitely done some very good things. But she's also, you know, done some things that maybe have benefited the system as well, the mass incarceration system. Mm-hmm. So when you ask how to reconcile that, I guess... My thought process is that there are a lot worse people who are going to contribute to the system a lot more and uphold that system a lot more. So in my mind, like I would rather give that chance to someone like Kamala who maybe doesn't have the best track record, but at least has some semblance, like awareness that the system might not be working and yeah, it- probably a, more awareness than like you know our current. Right. Political, like whoever's in the White House right now, which is just very extreme levels of. And the complicated thing about this election is we're comparing it to this very, very extreme. Um, Yeah, Yeah, it's almost like we like we put ourselves in this position to have to choose between like one or the other. And yeah, it's like the thing is, like we're comparing uh, extreme conservative person to a moderately liberal person and for some you know leftists they don't think this is enough like we're not doing enough with the current democratic candidate and that's sort of I think where the concern is lying and I know that by himself has apologized for the crime bill that he passed and they are working on some mass incarceration reforms at least like you know biden did acknowledge and he did apologize and also i just think like with politicians i think if you like keep looking through a magnifying glass you're gonna find something that's gonna upset you you know because like we're all like humans and we're not gonna be perfect we are gonna make mistakes yeah but at the end of the day, we want to like choose somebody who has like good moral ethical values, and um, yeah. Am I am I kind of agree with you on that, um, Uma? Like personally, like yeah, I I feel like people fail to remember that politicians are human too. I mean, personally, like I've worked 
on products that like aren't something I would necessarily care about on like my personal level right but it was something I did for my career and if I like extrapolate that and translate that into what a politician is doing for example like for a woman of color like Kamala Harris it's very hard to get higher up in the ladder so maybe my thing is we can just do so much right Everything I have to say is very subjective because I'm not a political person at all. Me neither. And, um, but I am realizing how much politics does like affect your life. You know, one decision does really affect you. So I guess you gotta be a little bit more aware and take it um, more seriously. I was just reading yesterday like on Twitter um, because RBG passed away that like people are like, oh, like suddenly why is everyone so concerned about women's rights when like literally this week there are stories about like hysterectomies, you know, being performed and it's like these issues have already been going on and all of a sudden now it's like we're worried about it, which to some extent, like that's how I feel too. Like I think I've suddenly started worrying because now the election's coming up and now I'm being more aware of like all these issues that are going on and it's just so overwhelming. (laughs) And sometimes I wish I had been paying attention for a while, you know, like, why am I suddenly trying to, like, drink out of this hose of just depressing information that's happening, Um, but actually, also yesterday, there was, um, AOC did a really good Instagram live, and I feel like that gave me a lot of hope, and she was just very, like, action-oriented, she's like, this is what we need to do, like, we have to mobilize our community, we have to, like, make sure we're all registered to vote, and actually just like use that fear that you have and turn that into fuel and like contact people you know and see you know who are they voting for make sure they're voting so I think all of that just like really helped me because I was feeling so so down yesterday sorry just a quick thought just like talking about this reminded me of something that I said to my roommate it was during when I was thinking about voting for the primaries like which candidate do I want to give my vote for because again that vote is valuable it is important although yeah um but thinking about like what you said about how a lot of people weren't super invested in politics or you know brought into this political space before Donald Trump was elected because he definitely exercised his power in a way that affected everyone minorities the worst but I think it's like it's interesting to think about that though and this is what I said to my roommate when thinking about the primaries and I kept seeing a lot of articles and videos saying the only way we can defeat Trump is to elect a moderate candidate someone who both sides of the political spectrum can relate to which I totally understand but the point that I discussed with my roommate was that I get everyone's point of view that it's been four years of just turmoil with our current president. So we don't want another four years of that. But if you take the perspective of someone who's in a more marginalized position, they've been facing this for four years and they're gonna continue to face this for another four years if their specific needs aren't met. So I think that's the hard part that I personally struggle with, thinking about like that perspective. But of course, like, again, it's like, more complicated and more nuanced than that. Yeah, and I think it's a difficult situation, right? Like for people like us, and I don't want to make assumptions here, but personally, I've grown up with a lot of privilege. Like I haven't been targeted for my race. I haven't been, you know, really devoid of opportunities because of where I live. So it's like I have privilege, but I also care about these sort of things that have happened recently. And like, can I really gatekeep what a Af- a Black American is feeling, for example? Like, I don't think it'll get better for them under Trump. And I think that's an important point that people forget to think about. Yeah, you know, just to like kind of like add on like my personal experience and opinion to what we're discussing. You know, when I first uh, started voting in the primaries, I voted for Bernie Sanders. And um, I was actually kind of upset that he didn't make it. And this was like the second time. So I kind of felt like very like deflated, like my morale was low. I just felt like whatever I voted for, like, didn't matter because it's so polarizing. There's just, like, option A and option B that I'm forced to choose. And um, my initial reactions were, like, I was frustrated. I was kind of angry. I was like, hey, look, I'm trying, and, like, look what happened. But, you know, the more I talked to people, and then I saw, like, some posts and stuff, 
it's actually like this is so much bigger than just like an election that's going on like this is historical and it's actually very stressful so you know like even though like this moderate progressives may not check off everything on the list i feel like this is bigger than that like what you were mentioning it could impact minorities more severely and going off of that something that i've been thinking about and maybe even struggling with is that this question of you know it's no secret that america is a very individualistic country we value capitalism like what i've been struggling with is the that line between using your vote for the greater good or you know in in terms of thinking about other people and then versus what you really care about I think certain people on certain sides of the political spectrum stand very strongly on one side of that line or the other. But I think for a lot of people, it's very, like, very fine line where, like, I get what you mean. Like, Yeah, no, definitely. I was, like, literally just thinking the same thing because I think when it comes to, like, debating with somebody, like, on the internet or your family or whatever, it's usually, like, that person is thinking about themselves or, like, the issues they care about. And mm-hmm. that's something I've had to realize, too, because, like, even among my family, you know, I'm, like, well, I care more about, like, women's reproductive rights because that's, like, actually going to affect me. And then I may not care so much about, like, the economy, <laughs> which is a big deal. Um, so it's just, yeah, it is hard to, like, balance both. And I think the issue of like thinking about the greater good is something that's new for me in like this past year because I think I've just been seeing so much more about that on social media and everything and I'm like oh okay like how is this going to affect other people and that's the part that's like a little bit overwhelming and a little bit hard to think about. But I think any 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 approach that we can do that balance has been really complicated by the situation we're in so it's tough and it's something that I grapple with because it's important that we retain the tenets of our democracy, which is that every individual vote counts and that people can vote how they want. So recently, rest in peace, RBG passed away. Uh, there's already talk of replacing her. I think Senator Mitch McConnell is yeah. leading this discussion. Um, what would it mean if we have a Republican majority again and like RBG gets replaced like right now? Is- Instead of after the election. Yeah. Like I guess some of the issues that are going to be like at stake essentially, like I know that like pretty much everything, honestly, right? Like women's rights, like climate change, like all the things that we care about, I feel like are just going to get all overturned. Like Roe v. Wade, um, I've just right. been reading about all of that. I think my personal opinion is that the Supreme Court holds more power than even the president because any law, any constitutional law that has been established in the past, they have the power to turn that over for the rest of their lives, right? right. Um, so it's so crucial that like we have the right people in those exactly. positions. Exactly, and that's why, that's why my first thought is like, why is, you know, RBG is so influential. She's done a lot. But if it's just if one person is going to pivot this or change this so much, then that might be there might be something wrong going there. Right. It's really scary that like one person can literally change your life for good or bad. I think that's sort of extreme. This is a very philosophical discussion, but we shouldn't have those sort of extremes. I think the issue more is right now Trump had the opportunity to, I think, place two Supreme Court justices. So now he's getting the opportunity to place a second. But like, because he's getting that opportunity, you're creating more of a conservative. Yeah. You know, but if another president gets that opportunity, you have that liberal say in it as well. So it's more creating a more just system. Yeah. So basically the issue at stake is that like, we don't want that position to get filled before the new president comes in because otherwise we won't have a chance. So something that I read the other day too um, made a lot of sense to me. Um, I am not sure why Supreme Court justices serve life terms in the first place. If Mm. like it doesn't even serve a lifetime yeah. or yeah it's um, so crazy that like she was 87 and like we had to just like put all of our like, yeah. everything on her so sad and she was going through multiple like surgeries multiple things that yeah. it was like mm-hmm. she was yeah. probably dealing with something so it seems like yeah it seems like such an archaic 
sort of like outdated law yeah. that I'm really like thought over. Yeah, like maybe we should be able to elect them too, but we don't know. Is there actually anything that we can do? Because that's like what my question was regarding this, because I don't know a lot. So like, I mean, everyone's just like, oh, just vote, you know, like vote for president, basically. I don't think there's really anything, Priya, from my knowledge, other than voting, because it's the political system that has the power to choose. I think definitely, as you guys said, voting is, if not the most important thing that you can do in the situation. Additionally, I think that when the president chooses a Supreme Court justice nominee, the like Congress has to vote on it, right? So I think like another thing, the first thing that comes to mind is putting pressure on your local, your state senators to vote no against the nominee if you don't believe in that nominee. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. But is there anything else you want to say, Maha? I guess all I would say is uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> And how do you feel about the upcoming elections, Maha? I am uncertain and hopeful at the same time. Okay. Well, that's, I think, most of us, <laughs> hopefully. Our next guest speaker is Navya Riali, who will be talking more about volunteering for a phone bank at a battleground state. Hi, Navya. So <laughs> thanks for hey. coming on to our podcast. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Navya, and I've known these three incredible women from college at UC Davis, but I've known Deepthi, I think, like, even from, what were we, like, six? In uh, tiny, tiny tiny toddlers uh, in music (laughs) class, Indian music class, and then we reconnected in college. About me, I am born and raised in the Bay Area, but I ended up moving with my family to Hyderabad, uh, India for four years when I was in high school and then moved back for college. So you, I am born and raised Bay Area with a little bit of a twist. Nice. We wanted to have you on the podcast today because uh, you were telling us a little bit about how you volunteered for the campaign that's coming up, I guess, like the big election, essentially. So yeah. um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you were doing and how you got involved in that? Yeah, it, it wasn't like this immediate um, decision to just get involved. I think I, I would say like most of us are feeling right now um, with what's happening in the world and the political climate. Like I was definitely feeling really helpless uh, this year. Um, I mean, I have to admit, like I definitely voted in previous elections, but I'm not, I've never been super involved in like volunteering for campaigns or anything of the sorts. Um, but this one definitely felt like, you know, everything, everything is on the line this election. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being in California, I was feeling extremely helpless because I was like, you know, we're, we're a blue state, like that's not gonna change as much as I, you know, talk to my friends or, you know, post on social media. Like, I, I feel like, it, especially because most of my friends are people I know personally, like on my social mm-hmm. media, I know that I live in the liberal bubble. So I'm like, I'm not posting yeah. on there to, to, to change minds per se. So I'm like, what, like, what can I do? Because I feel like everyone I know is doing everything they can. Like we're all trying our best. And yet it's like every day you hear something about the pandemic. Um, you know, I try to stay away from the news, but I can't. And you watch like a press conference or you hear something that Trump said and it just like aggravates you and it makes you sad. And I was like, okay, what, what do I do? I don't know. Um, and I was on Instagram and I was, I follow, if Priya would know, I follow Priya Krishna, who's a Bon Appetit a food writer. Um, and she was posting that she was phone banking um, with a campaign outside of California. Um, and so I was like, oh, what is this thing? And then I looked it up and it's basically through um, votesaveamerica.com mm-hmm. has a program called Adopt a State. And so regardless of where you are, you can phone bank or even text bank with a battleground state with, you know, like the six states, I think that were, that are going to be pretty critical to this election. Right, like, like the swing states. Yeah. Swing states and the one, yeah, I think that's what, yeah, swing yeah, states. Um, and for, I think they have like a list of like six to eight or whatever, and you can choose to adopt that state mm-hmm. and you sign up and then um, they'll email you like with the actual party of that state. So I ended up choosing Wisconsin. Um, they actually have like a little description of what it would mean for each state. So I think there was like Florida and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, and I kind of randomly. <laughs> 
uh, chose Wisconsin because I, I was reading okay. that like Trump had won Wisconsin by like less than a point in 2016. Yeah, that's um, what I read as well. Oh, I'm kind of curious about those descriptions. What did, do you remember what it said for Florida? Yeah, I actually, I think I have it open right now. I think Florida says, it's just something like Florida delivered razor thin election margins for the past two decades. Um, winning Florida would mean Democrats would only need to flip one more battleground state. So oh, like cool. Florida would be like a, a key one. And then I just ended up choosing Wisconsin, one for that reason. And two, my dad's an alum from Wisconsin-Madison. Oh, nice. So I think like <laughs> I felt like some random connection to that state. And then the actual like Wisconsin Democratic Party, they email you. Um, and then you choose like a weekend and a time slot to phone bank with them. And that's kind of how the process got started. But it was really kind of this thing that's been on my mind on like not knowing how to get involved. And I think one weekend I randomly just signed up. It was, I was still really anxious because I had no idea what to expect. But I was like, all right, let's see what happens. Yeah, I think I would be anxious too. Because like, I'm generally not a huge like phone person in terms of talking to strangers and stuff. So like, did you find that aspect? Like what aspect was like more challenging for you? I think... Yeah, definitely the phone part. I was nervous and anxious because I, I didn't even know. They basically said this is what phone banking is and they said they welcome first time callers, but I had no idea what that was. I think the most challenging thing for me was being okay. I think with the fact that I was not like fully versed in all the policies, right? Like mm-hmm. I know I'm going to vote for Biden and I, I have my personal reasons for doing so. But I was really nervous about like not being confident in every, you know, economic policy that he may have, you know, when having these conversations. And I was like, okay, am I even going to be well suited? But I think what really helped was they do like a training call with you. They focus a lot more on the logistics, like the software that they use to make all of this happen. Mm -hmm. But in that, one of the volunteers was sharing that like, in the end, like it's to form a personal connection. So like hear what they're saying, like if you don't know exactly what that is, you can say that or you can have your window open to see if you can quickly read upon something. So I actually had like Biden's website open with all of his Mm -hmm. kind of links to his policies in case I wanted to look at it. But I think when she said that, I think that that eased my nerves because she said, you know, the thing is you're trying to just understand what, you know, what people are concerned about Mm -hmm. right now um, in the country or in their state and try to get them to come to Biden's side and whatever whatever your reasons are to get Biden to that side, maybe that can also help convince them. So I think that was the challenging part. But I think through the, through the experience, I realized like, it was okay. I don't think I ever had to like refer to a specific, like an actual policy. Right. Well, that's good. Um, I have a question actually. So did you have to then like report any of this back to them? Like, did you take notes on each call? Yeah, so they actually, I was pretty impressed with the software that they use. It's called, I think it's called Through, Through Talk. So you don't have to do any of the dialing yourself. Like they okay, basically like export all of the phone numbers that they have from that state or um, into like this, this interface. And when you log into your computer, it auto dials it mm-hmm. for you when you're, so you just say, I'm ready and it'll dial somebody and it'll have their name there. And what they do is they have all of these buttons, which is what they train you for, but they have like a pre-uploaded script so mm-hmm. you would say you don't have to follow it follow it line by line and they train you for that but you do track a lot of it within that interface and so you have to track are you talking to the actual person you called then you continue with the script and you're tracking that as they go so they basically can log they have a log of everything people are mm-hmm. saying so you know when you get to the question of you know are you you know are you going to be voting biden harris this election you'll there's like a, a scale of like you know a heart you know 100 percent or strong Biden supporter to like right. leaning to undecided to then, you know, going all the way to Trump. So Navya, you kind of spoke about like, you know, being a little like nervous, apprehensive before you started this. That's probably like one of the biggest feelings that I would face if I would do something like this, which I would love to do actually, but I'm just um, worried that, you know, I'm not political enough or well-informed enough. I was wondering during your like experience, did you ever come across the situation where you kind of didn't really know how to answer their question or you kind of just didn't really know what to do? Like, how did you handle that? Sure. I mean, I had a few, I would say. I had one where I was talking to a caller, uh, seemed like an an older gentleman, I would say like definitely post-60s. And when out talking about what concerns him most right now in the country, he said, 
uh, his stimulus checks, not getting his stimulus check in time and COVID. So stimulus check, that was, okay, we talked about that for a few minutes and I empathized mm-hmm. and I said, you know, that's really unfortunate uh, given the circumstances and him not getting his, you know, $1,200. And, and we veered into the COVID space and he was saying how him and his neighbor, both who are definitely 65 plus are terrified to go outside because they're compromised and you know he's 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 afraid of of dying and we spoke about COVID and then I tried to veer that into talking about how Biden and Harris have plans to you know help us get through this pandemic and beat COVID because he was talking about how he doesn't feel like he's he gets that support right now and so as we talked about that and I felt like I was really you know empathizing and we were on the same page when I asked him you know okay so we start by talking just about the issues without starting to be like, are you voting for Biden or Biden and Harris? And then you're like, okay, well, this election, another reason I wanted to call was to see if you're going to be supporting. And he's like, well, I'm undecided. I'm going to decide in, you know, when it comes closer to the election. And I was like, well, based on the issues you talked about, I really believe that Biden and Harris have policies in place to make sure the concerns you have are addressed. Uh, Do you mind if I talk to you about it for a little bit? And I kind of had like my pages ready to talk about, things that yeah. they've said related to this. Mm-hmm. But he he was just like, I don't know who to trust. He was like, I don't trust the media. I don't trust mm-hmm. what anybody is saying. So I'm going to do my own research. And I just felt stuck because I felt like I had to help swing an undecided voter in that moment. And I mm-hmm. even now I was like, I don't know if there was something else that I could have said because I also don't want to be pushy. But yeah. I, you know, I still don't know. Like, was it my, you know, it could have been maybe me not presenting it in the best way. Or maybe he just really wasn't ready to talk, right? We're never going to know. And I think think that was like an example for me of not knowing the exact right thing to say, but just trying your best. And then in the end, he was just like, look, media has really basically like screwed him over. He was like, when I was, (laughs) when he was younger, he was like, yeah, media always has bias, but not to what it's become today. And he's like, I'm just going to make my decision when the time comes. And in a sense, I had to just empathize with that and just let go. So I was just like, made sure he had all his registration information, knew how to vote. And I was just like, well, thanks for your time, sir. Like, that was it. And he was still, he was very kind, but I definitely, I think in that moment, Uma, like felt really. Like kind of like like, loss of words. I don't know. That's like my biggest fear. Like they asked me about some policy and I'm like, I have no idea, but I guess like the program kind of trains you in those situations to like kind of have an out with the conversation maybe I don't know yeah I mean they won't train the, the one thing that I wish they did and maybe they do this if you start volunteering with a campaign early is like train you about how to speak to policies they didn't really mm-hmm. focus on that they really just breezed through it was just 30 minutes on zoom before your slot right so mm-hmm. they're really focused on the script and that interface because they want you to log all of that mm-hmm. and the rest is in your hands and the main thing they say is like use what what's driving you right so I don't think any of the callers I spoke to, we spoke about actual policy, like an actual policy that a candidate is driving. It was more about the issues and if you can talk to them about what's bothering them. And so that's why I'm like, maybe it's just sharing, like finding a common ground with any issue that someone brings up, right? I'm curious. So was there sort of an interview, like procedure for you to even become a phone banker or... Yeah, there was no interview. Like, I think they really just want anybody. And okay. all you had to do is go to votesaveamerica.com. I think it's like slash adopt a state or adopt dash uh, dash state. Um, and then you just choose your state and then that state's party will email you. They need like tons of phone bankers to access everybody in the state, right? So I don't think they have, they're going to have time to do interviews, which is why, I, I mean, I understand the lady not going into depth of these things like I think they just are like use what drives you whatever is yeah. bringing you there like that's you know what you're bringing and, and they just say try to connect with the human level like whatever mm-hmm. that might be one thing I was worried about was talking to like hardcore Trump supporters because I was like I don't think I have the emotional or mental energy to handle that but they don't they they're not focused on that side of the, right. the spectrum it's only like undecided onwards or even maybe leaning Trump. But they also say like, if you're starting to sense that these people are, you know, strong Trump supporters, like you don't, there's really no point at this point to engage because you are not going to flip them. Yeah, like you're, it's too late. The, yeah, so I, I, that was another like learning thing for like a learning example for me, which was 
I'm, I'm not there to change Trump voters' minds. You're there to make sure that Biden voters <laughs> vote Biden, mm-hmm. um, undecided voters sway towards Biden. And then in all of these, make sure they're actually registered. Like that was the big thing. Once you actually cover the issues that matter to them and whether they're voting for Biden, it's actually, are you registered? If you're regi- you know, doing absentee or mail-in, do you know what those dates are, where you have to go, when you have to go, all of that. So I think that was the bigger thing to make sure people that are mailing in, like send it in or like as early as they can. But they did redirect. So they even gave us like a number. It's like the voting hotline in Wisconsin. And they were like, mm-hmm. if, you're, if the people you're talking to have questions, direct them to this hotline. And they are willing to you know, help people find their you know, voting locations and all of that. Yeah. They do have a Slack group. Um, oh, so you can always ask questions in there um, nice. as you're going. I feel like you could potentially make friends through this experience. Like if you did it like every weekend for, you know, a few months or something. Probably. I mean, there was, I think what was really cool was after the, so they have like a 30 minute training and then you go for at least an hour or two and you try to make as many calls as you can um, individually, but you can take your breaks when you want. And then you come back together after that few hour period for like a debrief call. So you get to hear about other people's experiences and like things that worked for them and things that didn't and potential resources that might help later. So I definitely think that if you do it more often, you can probably connect with people. So going back to, I think we kind of touched on the Trump supporter thing. Like you had mentioned that if you found out that somebody was a hardcore Trump supporter, then you were told to kind of like wrap it up. Um, but you, I think you had mentioned to us previously that you did talk to like a few. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how that experience was? Sure. Um, so I definitely had a few calls where right in the beginning, as soon as I said, I'm like a Wisconsin Democratic Party, I, would some, I got like, oh, I'm Republican. And I, I still didn't think that was just a, an automatic response to say Trump because Republicans may not vote for Trump. And so when we, I talked, like I asked her, well, who are you going to be, do you know who you're going to be voting for in November? And she was like, oh, 100% Trump. And so I was like, all right, ma'am, thank you. <laughs> and she like did, she seemed like a bit angry and uh, had a few callers that, you know, within the first minute, just put the phone down. Wow. But I did speak to one person. I didn't know where the conversation was going. It seemed very nice. Had like calm, you know, like nice to talk to gentlemen. And when I asked him what, you know, issues uh, he thinks the country is facing or, or Wisconsin, he started talking about funding for the police. And he just said funding for the police. And so I didn't know which side he was on. I thought he meant like, because my brain goes there, I thought he was talking about, you know, defunding and, you know, yeah. allocating resources elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then as he started talking, he was like, you know, with what's happening in the country, I don't think the police are getting enough funding. And I was like, okay, still let me hear it out. And then he started talking even more and essentially saying that we need more, more police. We need to, and he, he said he was a, he was hundred percent a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. He started trash talking Biden. He was like, wow. he, was, he was like, Biden doesn't even know what rifles are. Like he just, he, he's, he can't even speak. He, he can't form words. And in my head, like, I was just like, really, are you kidding? <laughs> like, the candidate you're supporting is a guy who uh, makes no sense half the, or more 90% of the time. But in that moment, I didn't, I realized that I'd spent 10 minutes on the call with a Trump supporter because I didn't know mm-hmm. where this conversation was going and then had to just end it because like as much as I think, you know, inside because you, you get like, I got like angry and sad at the same time. because I was like, I'm talking to somebody. It seemed like it was a, a decent conversation. I wanted to ask to be like, why? Like, why are yeah. you voting Trump? But I knew that that would just not be productive in the moment. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever have people like just hang up on you? Like as soon as you start talking, they're like, oh, yeah, nope, yeah, yeah. just happen. Yeah. Does it happen pretty often? Yeah, you'll get like immediate hang ups. And so you just wow. have to mark that as like a no show. Uh-huh. Um, I've had people that didn't like fully like it would like, I was sad, like I was having a really good conversation. And then the connection got lost. And it's not like I can uh-huh. call that person back again. And so I couldn't even get to whether he was, he was like, yeah, I'm leaning Biden. You know, I didn't have any crazy ones. Like people on the call have said that in the past when, if they're, if they're especially a Trump supporter, they get like cursed at and stuff too on, wow. the, on the phone. So have you ever had anyone on the opposite side of the coin? Like someone who you thought was a Trump supporter who ended up being a Biden supporter or someone like that you felt like you swayed? In terms of swaying, I think the the big one was that undecided voter I spoke about in the beginning. 
Um, there were a few that were like leaning Biden. You know, there was a, a person I spoke to who was talking about feeling like a, like lacking a sense of community and union in the country, like because everything is so divisive. And we spoke about that a bit and he was leaning Biden, but feeling really hesitant. This was the one where the call got cut. And I think he was definitely leaning towards Biden, but I could sense that hesitation. My guess would just be because Biden might not have been the nominee he would have chosen yeah. if it were up to him. But I think he realized that that's kind of the only way out at this point. Yeah, I don't think, Deepi, I ever got any tr like Trump supporters that I feel like I swayed. I feel like, I hope that with some conversations, I swayed people that were like leaning that, mm -hmm. um, and then just making sure that they got, you know, registered. The ones that did make me feel really good though, um, even though they were definitely like strong Biden supporters were voters who didn't have the information that they needed. Um, and then just in this phone call, being able to direct them to that. I mean, that just felt good knowing that, you know, whatever those two to three voters that might go in are actually registered, right? I spoke to a young girl who's starting college. My, I think it might've been her first year voting. And she was like, oh yes, I'm hundred percent Biden. And, but she had questions cause she's moving and stuff like that. So it felt good to give her the information and made sure she was like well-informed to yeah. have all the resources to vote. That's great. I just, I think sometimes, you know, people just need that like initial push or motivation. Like it's yeah. a very, it's a very simple thing to do, but at the same time, like it could be very overwhelming because information is not as transparent yeah. as it should be. Navya, is there basically anything you learned that you didn't know prior to doing this? I think I learned I could do, I mean, I would just say just learning that I could do this was the learning in itself. I didn't even know that I could do this until I saw that on Instagram. I mean, the other learning, which I think I, I knew in the back of my head, I mean, obviously these things are not possible, but just knowing the amount of people it takes for these campaigns to run is just like mind blowing. Like it's not just the campaign of the candidate, like every state, every county has like so many people putting their time on the daily to organize these things it's crazy so I mean just seeing that I think was was really incredible but I think just seeing that there's like so many ways to help like I don't know if I would you know I'm doing phone banking again if, I, if that goes well we'll see they have like a few weekends coming up but they're I know that they also do like text banking so mm -hmm. you can use the software to text so if you don't want to you know be on the phone to speak mm -hmm. like there's like texting text opportunities how would so yeah that's interesting um text banking so how would that work is that more real time or you just kind of like shoot off a message and mm. they will reply yeah. to you later I or I, I would think that like um the response rates are going to be pretty low right like just mm -hmm. from personal experience like I probably you'd have to probably send like a ton and then get like anywhere from like a maybe 10 15 percent response yeah but yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah. I think the other one that I've seen is like Votes of, again, Votes of America is amazing. I love that they put everything so concisely and it's so accessible to like, mm -hmm. you know, even Gen Z to read because they cater their content in that way. But um, I've been getting emails from them about like even powering the polls um, on November 3rd, like to, if you are okay, I mean, they're going to, they have all the PPE and given oh, that like- awesome. And um you know what, I've actually heard that some companies are giving you the day off to like go and vote and things like that. Like, yeah, my company's doing that. So I put my name, I, I but they said that they're going to, it'll take some time, but I like put it for November 3rd, but you can also do it for a, like, you know, how you can vote previous days too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they have like slots open for previous days if you don't want to be there on the third, but they were like, you know, especially given poll workers are mainly people over 65. They're like, you know, yeah. So like that was a pretty cool way to do that, and I thought about that. Oh, I was like, so yeah, then maybe, time. maybe it's it's important for us to get involved in a way. If most of the poll workers are old and it's the pandemic, and they probably yeah, I think that's safe. the point. <laughs> I remember get, I volunteered um, at the polls like in high school, just like randomly. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely did too because I think uh, you know it was a great way to get out of class or something. <laughs> yeah, like, like you got the up. day off basically mm -hmm. and you got volunteer hours and because we couldn't yeah. go. Don't you get so paid like, also? You get I think you, you do, do get paid. Yeah, you do, you get, do get, paid. get paid. Okay, maybe yeah. that's why I did it. But it's a very like nominal amount. <laughs> I actually might volunteer for the day of too. That might be yeah. 
something that's like it'll feel like you're doing something on a day when you're just like anxious and waiting for the results yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's very true so now that like Navia's told us a little bit more about this phone banking experience which I never really paid attention to I'm really glad that I like you know this came up during conversation would you guys be open to doing it and would you guys actually do it for this election? Yeah, I think I actually might sign up this weekend if they still have dates available. Yeah, I think, again, every state is doing it differently. I know that the Wisconsin one, I saw that they, so they do, like, these big weekend, like, phone bank, like, action weekends. And so there's this weekend, and then there's the following weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And I think they even have them going through, like, cool. just pick, um, pick your state, I guess. Deep D? Yeah, How do you I feel? would be interested, um, yeah, definitely for a weekend, like, for, like, a couple of hours, I, I think I'm, like, doing nothing anyway, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good way to spend your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really um, enjoyed listening to your story, Navia, and I think oh, it's very inspiring, it gives us something gives me something to think about like how I could get involved I'd probably do it too we We, let's all do (laughs) it together let's all keep each other you know accountable and I'm a little hesitant I always say things and I don't follow through but um this would be you know one good thing you could do hey and I think they're encouraging first-time callers right like I think even for this Sunday like I have to tell you like the day that I did it the first time I had butterflies in my stomach like for the hour before because I was like I don't know what I'm going to say like I just felt super nervous but I think in the end like it's like you said it's like it just feels like it's like something you can contribute and the other thing is if you're feeling like it's a lot and I definitely didn't make calls the entire two-hour block I like took Mm -hmm. breaks because I was like I wanted to reorient myself I was like taking notes and like thinking about things that I could say the next time yeah. So I think it's just like you can do it at your own pace like because it's just you after a while like no one's monitoring you right so I think that's fine right this is all an all volunteer basis and so I think that eased the comfort a little bit cool so that's a wrap and this election is basically very crucial it's probably the, one of the most important elections so far So please go out and vote. And this is actually the last episode for season one. So we hope you really enjoyed the episode so far. We linked a feedback form in the description. Please let us know what you liked and what you didn't like and what topics you're possibly interested in hearing next. And you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Daisy American Pod and email us at DaisyAmericanLife at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. It really helps us out and it really helps people discover our podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.